Section 8, Volume 3 of the Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, translated by Richard Burton. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Filippo Joaquin. The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 3, Section 8. When it was the one hundred and fortieth night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that came to King Sasan the tidings of the departure of Kanmakan, through the chief emirs, who said to him, Verily he is the son of our sovereign, and the seed of King Omar bin al-Nu'uman, and it hath reached us that he hath exiled himself from the land. When King Sasan heard these words, he was wroth with them, and ordered one of them to be hanged by way of silencing him, whereat the fear of him fell upon the hearts of all the other grandees, and they dared not speak one word. Then he called to mind all the kindness that Zawa Makan had done him, and how he had charged him with the care of his son. Wherefore he grieved for Kanmakan, and said, Needs must I have searched, made for him in all countries. So he summoned Tarkash, and bade him choose an hundred horse, and wend with them in quest of the prince. Accordingly he went out, and was absent ten days. After which he returned, and said, I can learn no tidings of him, and have hit on no trace of him, nor can any tell me aught of him. Upon this King Sasan repented him of that which he had done by the prince, whilst his mother abode in unrest continual, nor would patience come at her call, and thus passed over her twenty days in heaviness all. This is how it fared with these. But as regards Kanmakan, when he left Baghdad, he went forth perplexed about his case, and knowing not whither he should go. So he fared on alone, through the desert, for three days, and saw neither footman nor horseman. Withal his sleep fled, and his wakefulness redoubled, for he pined after his people and his homestead. He ate of the herbs of the earth, and drank of its flowing waters, and siested under its trees at hours of noontide heat, till he turned from that road to another way, and following it other three days, came on the fourth to a land of green leaves, dyed with the hues of plants and trees, and with sloping valley sides made to please, abounding with the fruits of the earth. It had drunken of the cups of the cloud, to the sound of thunders rolling loud, and the song of the turtle-dove gently sought, till its hills sloped were brightly verdant, and its fields were sweetly fragrant. Then Kanmakan recalled his father's city, Baghdad, and for excess of emotion he broke out into verse, I roam, and roam in hope I to return, yet of returning see not how or when, 
I went for love of one I could not win, nor way of escaping ills that pressed could ken. When he ended his recital, he wept, but presently he wiped away his tears and ate of the fruits of the earth enough for his present need. Then he made the wuzu ablution and prayed the ordained prayers which he had neglected all this time, and he sat resting in that place through the live-long day. When night came he slept and ceased not sleeping till midnight. When he awoke and heard a human voice declaiming these couplets, What's life to me unless I see the pearly sheen of teeth I love and sight that glorious mine? Pray for our bishops who in covenant train, vine to bow before that heavenly queen, and death is lighter than the loved one's wrath, whose phantom haunts me, seen in every scene. O joy of cup companions, when they meet, and loved and lovers over each other lean, even more in time of spring the lord of flowers, when fragrant is the word with bloom and green, drainer of vine juice, up with thee, for now earth is a heaven where sweet waters flow. When Kanmakan heard these this teach, his sorrows surged up, his tears ran down his cheeks like freshets, and flames of fire darted into his heart. So he rose to see who it was that spake these words but saw none for the thickness of the gloom, whereupon passion increased on him, and he was frightened, and restlessness possessed him. He descended from his place to the soul of the valley, and walked along the banks of the stream, till he heard the same voice, sighing heavy sighs, and reciting these couplets. Though tis thy wont to hide thy love perforce, Yet weep on day of parting and divorce, Twixt me and my dear love were plighted vows, Pledge of reunion, fonder intercourse, With joy inspires my heart and deals it rest, Zephyr, whose coolness doth desire enforce, O Sada, thinks of me that anklet wearer, Or parting broke she thought without remorse, And say, Shall night foregather us, and we, Of suffered hardships, tell in soft discourse? Quoth she, Thou art daft for us and fay, Quoth I, saying thee, How many a friend has turned to course. If taste mine eyes sweep sleep while she's away, Allah will loss of her thine eyes a curse. O wounds in vital mine, for cure they lack, union and dewy lips, sweet theriac. When Kanmakan heard this verse, again spoken by the same voice, yet saw no one, he knew that the speaker was a lover like unto himself, debarred from union with her who loved him, and he said to himself, "'Twere fitting that this man should lay his head to my head, and become my comrade in this my strangerhood. Then he hailed the speaker, and cried out to him, saying, O thou who fairest in sombre night, 
draw near to me and tell me thy tale haply thou shalt find me one who will succour thee in thy sufferings and when the owner of the voice heard these words he cried out o thou that respondest to my complaint and wouldest hear my story who art thou amongst the knights art thou human or jinni answer me speedily ere thy death draw near for i have wandered in this desert some twenty days and have seen no one nor heard any voice but thy voice at these words kanmakan said to himself this one's case is like my case for i even i have wandered twenty days nor during my wayfare have i seen man or heard voice and he added i will make him no answer till day arise so he was silent and the voice again called out to him saying o thou that callest if thou be of the jinn fare in peace and if thou be man stay a while till the day breaks stark and the night flee with the dark the speaker abode in his place and kanmakan did likewise and the twain in reciting verses never failed, and wept tears that railed till the light of day began loom, and the night departed with its gloom. Then Kanmakan looked at the other, and found him to be of the Badawi Arabs, a youth in the flower of his age, clad in worn clothes, and bearing in baldric a rusty sword which he kept sheathed and the signs of love longing were apparent on him. He went up to him and accosted him and saluted him, and the Badawi returned the salute and greeted him with courteous wishes for his long life, but somewhat despised him, seeing his tender years and his condition, which was that of a pauper. So he said to him, O youth, of what tribe art thou, and to whom art thou kin among the Arabs? And what is thy history, that thou goest by night, after the fashion of knights? Indeed thou spakest to me in the dark words such as are spoken of none but doughty cavaliers and lion-like warriors. And now I hold thy life in hand, but I have compassion on thee, by reason of thy green ears. So I will make thee my companion, and thou shalt go with me to do me service. When Kanmakan heard him speak these unseemly words, after showing him such skill in verse, he knew that he despised him and would presume with him. Therefore he answered him with soft and well-chosen speech, saying, O chief of the Arabs, leave my tenderness of age, and tell me why thou wanderest by night in the desert reciting verses. Thou talkest, I see, of my serving thee. Who then art thou, and what moved thee to talk this wise? Answered he, Hark ye, boy, I am Saba, son of Rama bin Humam. My people are of the Arabs of Syria, and I have a cousin, Nijma Haiz, 
who to all that look on her brings delight. And when my father died, I was brought up in the house of his brother, the father of Najma. But as soon as I grew up and my uncle's daughter became a woman, they secluded her from me and me from her, seeing that I was poor and without money in pouch. Then the chief of the Arabs and the heads of the tribes rebuked her sire, and he was abashed before them and consented to give me my cousin, but upon condition that I should bring him as her dower fifty head of horses and fifty dromedaries which travel ten days without a halt, and fifty camels laden with wheat and a like number laden with barley, together with ten black slaves and ten handmaids. Thus the weight he set upon me was beyond my power to bear, for he exacted more than the marriage settlement as by law established. So here am I, traveling from Syria to Iraq, and I have passed twenty days without seeing other than myself. Yet I mean to go to Baghdad, that I may ascertain what merchant men of wealth and importance start thence. Then will I fare forth in their track and loot their goods, and I will slay their escort and drive off their camels with their loads. But what manner of man art thou? Replied Kanmakan, Thy case is like unto my case, save that my evil is more grievous than thine ill. For my cousin is a king's daughter, and the dowry of which thou hast spoken would not content her people, nor would they be satisfied with the like of that from me. Quoth Saba, Surely thou art a fool, or thy wits for excess of passion are gathering wool. How can thy cousin be a king's daughter? Thou hast no sign of royal rank on thee, for thou art but a mendicant. Rejoined Kanmakan, O chief of the Arabs, let not this my case seem strange to thee, for what happened, happened. And if thou desire proof of me, I am Kanmakan, son of King Zaw al-Makan, son of King Omar bin al-Numan, Lord of Baghdad, and the realm Khorasan, and fortune banned me with her tyrant man. For my father died, and my sultanate was taken by King Sasan. So I fled forth from Baghdad secretly, lest I be seen of any man, and have wandered twenty days without any but thyself to scan. So now I have discovered to thee my case, and my story is as thy story, and my need as thy need. When Saba heard this, he cried out, O my joy, I have attained my desire, I will have no loot this day but thyself, for since thou art of the seed of kings, and hast come out in beggar's garb, there is no help but thy people will seek thee. And if they find thee in any one's power, they will ransom thee with money's galore. So show me thy back, O my lad, and walk before me. Answered Kanmakan, O brother of the Arabs, 
act not on this wise, for my people will not buy me with silver nor with gold, not even with a copper dirham. And I am a poor man, having with me neither much nor little. So cease then to be upon this track and take me to thy comrade. Fare we forth for the land of Iraq and wander over the world so haply we may win dower and marriage portion, and we may seek and enjoy our cousins' kisses and embraces when we come back. Hearing this, Saba waxed angry, his arrogance and fury redoubled, and he said, Woe to thee! Dost thou bandy words with me, O vilest of dogs that be? Turn thee thy back, or I will come down on thee with clack. Kanmakan smiled and answered, Why should I turn my back for thee? Is there no justice in thee? Dost thou not fear to bring blame upon the Arab man by driving a man like myself captive, in shame and disdain, before thou hast proved him on the plain to know if he be a warrior or of cowardly strain? Upon this Saba laughed and replied, By Allah, a wonder, thou art a boy in years told, but in talk thou art old. These words should come from none but a champion doughty and bold. What wantest thou of justice? Quoth Kanmakan, If thou wilt have me thy captive, to wend with thee and serve thee, throw down thine arms and put off thine outer gear and come on and wrestle with me and whichever of us throw his opponent shall have his will of him and make him his boy then saba laughed and said i think this waste of breath denoteth the nearness of thy death then he arose and threw down his weapon and tucking up his skirt drew near unto kanmakan who also drew near, and they gripped each other. But the Badawi found that the other had the better of him, and weighed him down as the quintal down weighs the diner. And he looked at his legs firmly planted on the ground, and saw that they were as two minarets, strongly based, or two tent poles in earth encased, or two mountains which may not be displaced, so he acknowledged himself to be a failure, and repented of having come to wrestle with him, saying to himself, Would I had slain him with my weapon. Then Kanmakan took hold of him, and mastering him, shook him till the Badawi thought his bowels would burst in his belly, and he broke out, Hold thy hand, O boy. He heeded not his words but shook him again, and lifting him from the ground, made with him towards the stream, that he might throw him therein. Whereupon the Badawi roared out, saying, O thou valiant man, what wilt thou do with me? Quoth he, I mean to throw thee into this stream, it will bear thee to the Tigris, the Tigris will bring thee to the river Issa, and the Issa will carry thee to the Euphrates, and the Euphrates will land thee in thine own country. 
so thy tribe shall see thee and know thy manly cheer and how thy passion be sincere then saba cried aloud and said o champion of the desert lair do not with me what did the wicked dare but let me go by the life of thy cousin the jewel of the fair hearing this kanmakan set him on the ground but when he found himself at liberty he ran to his sword and targe and taking them up stood plotting in himself treachery and sudden assault on his adversary the prince kenned his intent in his eye and said to him i con what is in thy heart now thou hast hold of thy sword and thy targe thou hast neither length of hand nor trick of wrestling but thou thinkest that were thou on thy mare and couldst wheel about the plain and ply me with thy skin i had long ago been slain but i will give thee thy requite so there may be left in thy heart no despite nor give me the targe and fall on me with thy winger either thou shalt kill me or i shall kill thee here it is answered sabah and throwing him the targe bared his brand and rushed at him sword in hand kanmakan hent the buckler in his right and began to fend himself with it while saba struck at him saying at each stroke this is the finishing blow but he fell harmless enough for kanmakan took all of his buckler and it was waste work though he did not reply lacking the wherewithal to strike and saba ceased not to smite at him with the sabre till his arm was weary when his opponent saw this he rushed upon him and hugging him in his arm shook him and threw him to the ground then he turned him over on his face and pinioned his elbows behind him with the baldric of his sword and began to drag him by the feet and to make for the river thereupon cried saba what wilt thou do with me o youth and cavalier of the age and brave of the plain where battle rage answered he did i not tell thee that it was my intent to send thee by the river to thy kin and to thy tribe that thy heart be not troubled for then nor their hearts be troubled for thee unless thou miss thy cousin's bride feast at this saba shrieked aloud and wept and screaming said do not thus o champion of the times brave let me go and make me one of thy slaves and he wept and wailed and began reciting these verses i'm estranged from my folk and estrangements long shall i die amid strangers ah would that i can't i die nor my kinsmen shall know where i am slain die in exile nor see the dear face of my friend thereupon kanmakan had compassion on him and said make with me a covenant true 
and swear me an oath to be a comrade as due and to bear me company wheresoever I may go. Tis well, replied Sabah, and sore accordingly. Then Kanmakan loosed him, and he rose and would have kissed the prince's hand, but he forbade him that. Then the Badawi opened his scrip, and taking out three barley scones, laid them before Kanmakan, and they both sat down on the bank of the stream to eat. When they had done eating together, they made the lesser ablution and prayed, after which they sat talking of what had befallen each of them, from his people and from the shifts of time. Presently said Kamakan, Whither dost thou now intend? Replied Sabah, I purpose to repair to Baghdad, thy native town, and abide there until Allah vouchsafe me the marriage portion. Rejoined the other, Up then, and to the road, I tarry here. So the Badawi farewelled him, and took the way for Baghdad, whilst Kanmakan remained behind, saying to himself, O my soul, with what face shall I return pauper, poor? Now, by Allah, I will not go back empty-handed, and if the Almighty please, I will assuredly work my deliverance. Then he went to the stream, and made a wusu washing, and when prostrating, he laid his brow in the dust, and prayed to the Lord, saying, O Allah, Thou who sendest down the dew, and feedest the worm that homes in the stone, I beseech Thee vouchsafe me my livelihood of Thine omnipotence, and the grace of Thy benevolence. Then he pronounced the, the salutation, which closes prayer. Yet every road appeared closed to him, and while he sat turning right and left, behold, he espied a horseman, making towards him with bent back and reins slack. He sat upright, and after a time reached the prince, and the stranger was at the last grasp and made sure of death, for he was grievously wounded when he came up. The tears streamed down his cheeks like water from the mouth of skins, and he said to Kanmakan, O chief of the Arabs, take me to thy friendship as long as I live, for thou wilt not find my like. And give me a little water, though the drinking of water be harmful to one wounded, especially whilst the blood is flowing and the life with it. And if I live, I will give thee what shall heal thy penury and thy poverty. And if I die, Mayst thou be blessed for thy good intent. Now under that horseman was a stallion, so noble a rabbit, the tongue fails to describe him. And as Kanmakan looked at his legs like marble shafts, he was seized with a longing and said to himself, Verily, the one of this stallion is not to be found in our time. Then he helped the rider to alight and entreated him in friendly guise and gave him a little water to swallow, after which he waited till
till he had taken rest and addressed him, saying, Who hath dealt thus with thee? Quoth the rider, I will tell thee the truth of the case. I am a horse thief, and I have busied myself with lifting and snatching horses all my life, night and day, and my name is Ghassan, the plug of every stable and stallion. I heard tell of this horse, that he was in the land of Rome with King Afridun, where they had named him Al-Katul, and surnamed him Al-Majnun. So I journeyed to Constantinople for his sake, and watched my opportunity, and whilst I was thus waiting, there came out an old woman, one highly honored among the Greeks, and whose word with them is law, by name Zat al-Dawahi, a past mistress in all manner of trickery. She had with her this steed and ten slaves, no more, to attend on her and the horse. And she was bound for Baghdad and Khorasan, there to seek King Sasan and to sue for peace and pardon from Ben. So I went out in their track, longing to get the horse, and ceased not to follow them, but was unable to come by the stallion. Because of the strict guard kept by the slaves, till they reached this country, and I feared lest they enter the city of Baghdad. As I was casting about to steal the stallion, lo, a great cloud of dust arose on them and walled the horizon. Presently it opened and disclosed fifty horsemen gathered together to waylay merchants on the highway, and their captain, by name Kardash, was a lion in daring and dash, a furious lion who layeth nights flat as carpets in battle crash. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased to say her permitted say. End of section 8 of the Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 3 Recording by Filippo Joachim